Their bodies will lay in the street for three days. And on the third day, they will be resurrected on public television. And the world will see this resurrection as was promised by the Word of God. How scary prophecies from 2,000 years ago prophesied television, helicopters, nuclear bombs, things that that, that generation had no clue, but God spoke those things, and we're seeing now the prophecies as they are fulfilled. As many of you know, Elijah was pursued by a young man by the name of Elisha. Elijah had a school of prophets. We know there are at least 50 in this school. These were young men being mentored, being prepared, being trained to become a prophet. But uh, God gave Elisha favor with Elijah Elisha became Elijah's armor-bearer, coat carrier, went with him, stayed with him. Three times, Elijah tried to get Elisha to go somewhere else, and Elisha refused to be deterred, stayed right there, and actually saw Elijah being taken up into heaven. Uh, Elisha asked God for a double portion uh, of what Elijah had. The mantle fell as Elijah was being transported into heaven. And the first thing Elisha did, he took that mantle, said a prayer, hit the, Jordan, hit the Jordan River, the river parted, and that was one of many miracles that Elisha performed. Elisha performed exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah. He was one short, but when Elijah, Elisha died, they buried him in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a crypt, and there was a young man that died, and they put this young man on the bones of Elisha, and the young man came back to life. How incredible that even after death, your bones still have the power of God operating and ministering. As we look at this particular story, as we look at the story of Elisha, I'd like to read just a few verses from Elisha's uh, 2 Kings 6. My message this morning is brief. I'm not going to be lengthy today. I have a point, and I'll get right to it. Now, and the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, anytime you find the word behold in Scripture, you know that's a revelation, that's a knock on the door, that's something for us to focus on. Behold, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. That word straight means small. It's too small. Where we're at, what we're occupying is not big enough. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell and Elisha answered, Go ye. The thought or, the, or the, the message that I would like to portray today is simply the fact that everyone has a beam. Every one of us are a part of the kingdom of God. Every one of us are a part of building up the kingdom of God. Every one of us like the five talent, three talent, and one talent. Every one of us have gifts that God has given us to use in the kingdom, and everyone is as equally important as the other. And if you're not where you're supposed to be, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, there is a weakness that God obviously allows us to overcome by putting two anointings on one that that rather than each one having their own anointing, those that choose not to walk in the anointing and the favor and the blessing God has given them. I believe there are others that God puts a double portion, a double responsibility, a double ministry. I've pulled up a text from about four years ago 
on Facebook, and I just want to share that text with you. Uh, I asked the question, what kind of church would Church the Harvest be if every church member was just like me? And then I asked the question, would there be enough prayer to get God's direction? Would there be enough praise to get God's attention? And would there be enough tithe to get God's provision? I like that, that we are called to be instruments of prayer. We're called to be instruments of praisers, and we're called to be instruments of givers. Those are the things that God has blessed us with, and those are the things that we did this morning, that we did today. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that something happens when God's children get together in agreement and begin to pray. This week, one of our uh, spiritual sons was having a very, very tough time physically, actually felt like that he would needed to go to the emergency room. Uh, there were some challenges going on in his body. We began to text back and forth, and I felt impressed to tell him, in the next 30 minutes, the Lord's going to touch you. He's going to heal your body. I received a text within about just a few seconds after that, a text of praise as he began to thank God for touching him. I received a text four minutes later, that God had touched him, the pain was gone, and he would not be going uh, to the emergency room. I believe in the power of prayer. Uh, Melissa is not here today, but Melissa uh, was in a horrific head-on collision. She was taken to Erlanger. She was pronounced dead 27 times. And there were three men. One of those was Matt Decker. They weren't allowed to be in the intensive care unit. But outside that wall, they put their hands on that wall and they declared life over Melissa 28 times. Melissa is alive today. And in that window, God has allowed her to get her children back. She has a good job. She's operating on her own. She's drug-free. She's alcohol-free because of the power, I believe, of prayer. When we got the phone call that Mish was in uh, a wreck, the report we got that she was dead and that she was on life support, but that she was dead, that was the report that we got, but that was not the report we chose to honor. We begin to pray, and we begin to call and get people praying. I called Marcus. I called Billy Burke. I called Lemuel Miller. Everyone that I knew, my parents, Rhonda's parents, everyone I knew that knew how to touch God in prayer. See, there are some people say they will pray for you, and that's about the extent of their prayer. But then there are others that really will stop what they're doing, lay you on the altar, and ask God to touch you, and depend upon God to bring it to pass, depend upon God to make it happen. How, how incredible, how phenomenal is that? And Misha's here today, alive, has received a new job, promotion, is, is traveling, and she's rocking and rolling, and how, how good God is. When I think about Church of the Harvest, today, Church of the Harvest is 28 years old. Today, you are 28 eight years old. You could give yourself a hand clap of appreciation. And I was thinking about the pre-harvest days, as most of you know, uh, bound by bound by cocaine and bound by peyote and bound by alcohol and bound by all of that. Uh, Pastor Ron decided not to remain married. She left a beautiful home, uh, a sports car. We had a Lotus. We had a Harley. We had a, a Mustang. We had a lot of toys. She left all that. She left the new home, all the new furniture, left California, came here, enrolled in Lee University. I tried to contact her, communicate with her to no avail. I actually came 
uh, to Cleveland for just a week, trying to see some restoration. There was no restoration. Went back to uh, my my home city, and that Sunday morning, I think I I flew in on a Saturday. That Sunday morning, I went to the church that she worked with the children's choir, and the church that I had built had literally physically built the church as a general contractor. I went down to the altar, pretty much close to the area uh, where I gave my heart to the Lord, and then there was an area where I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Right in that same area, there was a there was a guest that morning, and the message was, will you go where God wants you to go? Will you do what God wants you to do? Will you be what God wants you to be? Gave an altar call. I came. I went to that very same area that God had touched me previously, and in that moment, I felt God nudging me and, and prompting me to preach the gospel, to, 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 to minister, to pursue that. Uh, I, I kind of said no. I said, I'll do anything but that. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? I'll do anything but that thing. Hello, that's not the direction I want to go. The Lord opened the, the, Lord opened the door. Uh, actually, I began to minister to several weightlifters in a place called Adam and Eve. It, it was a it was a, uh, I met Arnold, I met Lou Ferrigno, I met uh, Bob Bergsong, I met, Ra- I actually worked out with Bob Bergsong and Rachel McClish, these are bodybuilders that at one time, their picture was on the uh, the front of the muscle, muscle fitness, and I thought that's what God wanted me to do. I thought he wanted me to be a professional bodybuilder that was just travel and uh, give my testimony. I came, to, I came to Cleveland for a few months and actually tried to pursue some restoration that did not work. I went. I flew home uh, on Easter just to spend t- time with my parents. Uh, that Sunday afternoon, uh, my dad asked me if I would minister. And, uh, Kelly, I had written a handwritten sermon, 27 pages long. And the reason I know it was 27 because my mom, who is a counter, get any counters in your life? Anybody keeps track of things you do and do not do, how many times you call? She she said that I licked my finger 27 times every time I turned the page. The sermon was entitled, What It Cost Jesus to Prove His Love for Us. It was a story about the crucifixion. Uh, I, I, I preached that night. I gave an altar call. There were several decisions for the Lord. And while everybody came to the altars to pray, it was, it was just that kind of church, my dad took the microphone. He said, I want you to come back tomorrow night. We're in revival. Richard, I had one sermon, and I just preached it. I had absolutely no notes. I, I had no tapes. I didn't have any. I think in those days it was eight-track and cassette. I had no eight-tracks. I had no cassettes. I had no mentors. I had no heroes. So that Monday morning about 9 o'clock, I went to the church, stayed there all day, and God gave me a sermon entitled, How to Satan-Proof Your Life. That was the second sermon I ever preached. That revival went three weeks every morning. God gave me a word. That revival went into another revival that went into another revival that allowed me in the next three years to minister in 38 different states, to minister in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Tokyo, Macau, Njimina, Chad, Yaoundé, Cameroon, Lagos, Nigeria, the Bahamas, Yay. Haiti, Egypt, Jordan, Israel, London, England, Paris, France, Frankfurt, Germany. God allowed me to touch the world. 
it was it was in that in that window that Marcus, Joan, and I became very good friends. They actually, uh, Marcus was one of the few that believed that the marriage was going to be restored. And I remember in Montgomery, Alabama, the very first television platform that Daystar ever operated on, I built. I built a skill saw and a 28-ounce hammer and 16-penny nails, and God brought us into relationship, and God brought us into friendship. And, and as you know, for three years, I traveled as a divorced evangelist preaching and ministering. That I know of, only one pastor ever canceled me when he found out I was divorced. And ironically, that pastor is divorced today. But the door opened. God was good. I had the privilege twice of speaking in the largest church of God at, th- at that time in the world, the largest church of God in the world. And then I had the privilege in Seoul, Korea, to preach in the largest Presbyterian church. I preached in 11 different denominations, including Catholic, Methodist, and Latter-day Saints, if you can believe that. God gave me a message called uh, Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell. I went to probably 30 or 40 different high schools. What was ironic, in in the high school, I I was told that I could say anything I wanted to say about Satan, drugs, rock music, but not to mention the name Christ. How crazy is that? But what I would do, I would go to a high school, I'd preach the auditorium, and then I would invite them to come to wherever I was at that night in revival, and that's where we preached the sermon, and they gave the, gave the altar call, and there were many decisions for Christ. After a three-year window of, of traveling and ministering, I was in Dalton, Georgia, preaching. At that time, Dar- Dalton, Georgia, had more divorces per capita than any other city of America, the divorce capital of Georgia. I was preaching there in a great church. The revival went on the second week. Rhonda calls said, hey, I'd like closure. We met. She shared her heart where she was at and that she forgave me for destroying her life. I let her, I let her talk. I didn't interrupt her. And then when she was done, I told her I felt like that I was supposed to be her husband and I felt like God would bring us back together. She didn't want to hear that. She went back to back to her, her apartment, back to Lee, and then came, came one night to hear me speak. And then the revival went on, which is real unusual for me. Most revivals were Sunday through, fr- Sunday through Friday. But to, for some reason, that revival went on the next week. And on a Tuesday night, I believe, she came with some of her friends. There was a, it was a great church. It was a great attitude, a great attendance. There were several hundred there. Gave an altar call. About 300 people came to the altar. Rhonda was one of those. And in that altar ministry, Rhonda had a message in tongues. And I, on the platform with the microphone, had the interpretation. Thus saith the Lord, go back and remarry your husband, Hank. That's not really the way that rolled. But in that moment, there was a lightning bolt that hit her and me, the God healed our relationship right then. I let her finish her sophomore year at Lee. We remarried, and uh, we remarried, and for, for three years, we traveled the nations, and we traveled the world and enjoyed, and enjoyed that. God opened the door for us to preach a Sunday through Wednesday revival at a little church called Faith Memorial. I don't even remember how the door opened, but I was invited to go, and what was supposed to be five services turned out to be eight weeks, 
And in that eight-week revival, there were over 500 first-time decisions for the Lord. In that revival, several came in to help me. Jensen Franklin came in. Perry Stone came in. Karen Wheaton, who traveled with us almost once, was with us about once a week. Judy came in, and we, we, we ministered. One night, on a Friday night, we turned away over 100 cars, not people, cars. No place to put. It was, in the, it was in the cold of winter. We opened the front door of the church, and we put 50 to 100 chairs on the lawn on the front porch, and people sat out there in freezing cold weather. I remember preaching, and on the platform from wall to wall was people trying to make accommodations for all that, all that God had done. We felt at the end of that eight-week revival, we felt like that, that our time had come to a, a close on that Sunday night. I don't know if you remember Karen Wheaton was with us, and, and it was a great service. It was a great, it was just a, it was a great revival. We had a stack of cards this thick, Jackie, of first-time believer, first believers. We, we sent them a, a postcard and told them that we were going to be at the Holiday Inn North for a Wednesday night service that Wednesday night exactly, exactly to the, there were 120 people that showed up, exactly 120 people. We were at the Holiday Inn North for about four weeks in a row. Then we moved to a, what was called the Dollar Store. Uh, we gutted that and turned that and turned that into a sanctuary. I brought from Southern California, five years as an evangelist, I brought $850,000 to this city. And with that money, we bought this property. We bought this building. Many of you may or may not know from that wall to the TV is simply five trailers bolted together. This is actually a, a double wall. This is a quintwiddle. Quint, is that a word? Quint, help, help me out somebody here. Quint, quint something. Five trailers together, special design. The bearing walls are on that. That wall and this wall is a bearing wall. We've added on this building three times. And in the past 28 years, we've enjoyed, we had a uh, a, we had a, a full-blown high school. We had a daycare. Uh, God had opened so many doors and blessed us in the community with the youth. And I, I made just a few notes, but I felt like that when God brought us together on that first Wednesday night, I felt like God called us to be a hospital. And God called us to be an emergency room. And if you ever go to an emergency room, there are only three different types of people in that emergency room. Number one, the people that are sick. Number two, the doctors, and number three, the nurses. We felt like that God wanted us to raise up a hospital where sick people could come and get healed, and then they could turn around and they could learn how to minister and how to be a blessing to others. In the past 28 years, uh, we have hosted, and uh, I, I, made a, I made a list, but there were, there were so many ministries on that list, I didn't want to take the time to read them. But in the past 28 years, we have hosted... Uh, Marcus Lamb, we've hosted Billy Burke, we've hosted Judy Jacobs, we've hosted Karen Wheaton, we've hosted uh, Steve Archer, Paula White, the Downings, Perry Stone, Dr. Fuchsia Pickett, and Jan Aldridge. Those are just a few uh, ministries that we have partnered with that God has blessed us with, and we continue to have friendships and relationships with those. Uh, this house has raised up over 50 full-time ministries full-time where they're either in college or they were saved and raised up here but we've raised up about 50 full-time sons and daughters 
in ministry, and we brought to this city about $800,000. Right now, this land, this, uh, the ministries are valued at about 3.5. So I think we've done pretty good in 28 years. Now, we don't have any money, <laughs> but, but we have land. And Marcus said they're not going to build any more land. When I when I made I made some I made some notes about and and again I I intend to be very brief this morning. I made some notes this morning about every man and every woman having their own being, having their own being, bringing something to contribute to the house of God. Again, what kind of church would this church be if if the success of this church depended upon my prayer life. I remember I remember when we were divorced, and I've shared this story with you, that we would go to Bob's Big Boy, and uh, we would drink about 13 cups of coffee, and then Brother Jerry, we would go to the we would go to the church. And we pray all night, Saturday night. I can remember praying all night, going home, taking a shower, and coming back to church that next morning at 10 o'clock. I remember one particular Saturday night, we were really on a roll, had way too much coffee. And so, David, we set a chair in the middle of the uh, uh, altar area, and there were about five or six, we joined hands, and Linda, we, we demanded that God would, would astral project, like beam me up, Scotty, Pastor Rhonda, from Cleveland, Tennessee, to that chair, and we actually believed that God was really going to do it. And while we're holding hands and we're, and we're praying, somebody came over and tapped me on the shoulder. It scared me so bad. I thought it was an angel. I fell out on the floor. Well, it wasn't an angel, and I didn't get hurt falling out on the floor. And God did not ask to project Rhonda to, to Southern California, but I believe that he would. There was a window there in my life, and many of you, many of you know that I've had the privilege twice to raise the dead. I've prayed for two dead people that were actually dead. And they came back to life. I didn't do it. I just had the boldness. I just operated and did and did what God called us to do. But when I but but when I reflect in that in that season when I was not an evangelist or a pastor, I wasn't afraid to pray. Uh, went to uh, the Wine Islands again, divorced, and I went to a assembly of God that had this incredible praise and worship team, and it's kind of like the first time. I'd ever been I'd ever been involved in the kind of praise and worship that that this church now enjoys. Most churches I went to had a great big gigantic choir, and the choir sang while the people sat there and looked at them. And sometimes they would stand up, but most of the worship that I was familiar with was from the Red Back Hymnal, and I and those songs blessed me. And Kelly still today I I can probably sing probably have and write out the lyrics because it was a great window it was a great ministry but god was doing something new in that in that generation that was a generation of praise and worship and when god birthed this church for the first i don't know how many weeks i actually led the praise and war i actually led the praise and worship and preached three sermons wednesday sunday morning and sunday night and uh so eventually everybody felt sorry for me and pastor ronda raised up a team and she began to lead worship, and I, as I reflect on that, on the 28 years, there are only two people in this building that were with us. Well, Courtney, so it'd be it'd be three. There are two. There are three with us here today that were with us in the very beginning in the eight week revival, and one of them is Debbie Kidd. And I'm going to let Debbie tell you 
about the revival and how you came and, and the past 28 years. Um, oh, gosh, you put me on the spot. Okay, well, I knew you. I met Pastor way before he started the revival because when he came back to Cleveland and he wasn't married, he worked at the Holiday Spa that my brother ran as a manager, and he hired Pastor. And I kind of thought Pastor was a little bit cocky when I first met him. Yes, I did. But anyway, he was. But he became a friend to me. And so after that, he began uh, evangelizing around Cleveland, and I, he had a three-week revival at Mount Olive Church of God. At the time, I was attending North Cleveland, but I started going out there because I was going through things that I didn't even – I didn't really have anybody to depend on or talk to, and Pastor became a friend before he became my pastor. And I would call him on the phone, and he'd talk to me and encourage me. And then when the revival started, I still was going through struggles, but I went to that uh, eight-week, not every day or every night, but I went when I could or when I felt like it. But anyway, and so then when he start, we started at the bread uh, store and Holiday Inn, I went religiously because I was going through things that I needed help with. And I thought, I've got to do something because, I mean, I didn't have anybody. And I felt that God was so far away from me. I thought, well, once I started going, Pastor and Pastor Rod became the go-between to God because I didn't know how to talk to him. I didn't know how to ask him for things and then get encouragement. And then when we came here from the day one, I've been here. Now, I'm not saying I've <laughs> religiously come all the time now. Don't, anyway. But it's been, it's been wonderful. I mean, <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. It's been wonderful. I, this has been my home. This has been my life. I mean, I've, I've went through things that they've helped me through, that God's helped me through. I've been a part, and I felt like I've been a part for all these years. Um, like I said, I've not done everything right, but I feel like this is where I need to be right now. And I thank God for Pastor, Pastor Rhonda, listening to God and building this church where I could come. Because if for anybody else, when God planned all this, he had me in mind. Did she do? She, and there was there was someone else that was a part of the, of our church from day one, and that was Mish. And Mish, I'm going to let you tell just a little bit. Well, obviously because of Debbie, because Debbie was sharing with me what was going on, and um, from day one I've been here, and I think that. Um, I've learned how to see God for myself. I grew up where my grandparents were Church of God, and they were great to, to preach at you every Sunday, but you didn't have your own relationship. You didn't have your own understanding. And I've learned through Hadassah, through the women's ministries, taught children's church for probably 15 years of the time here. Um, I just believe that God shows up here. And it's unfortunate the people who have left that didn't see that God was here. And that Pastor and Pastor Rhonda stuck their neck out on the line for a lot of them who um, walked away. And I just don't think God does that. I think God sticks by you through whatever you're going through. And so I know what um, his power can do. Ta and Taylor would have been how old? Is that crazy? Um, when, we were, when we were just a year old... Um, on a Sunday night, there's a very precious young lady that left the sanctuary, went to her car, and uh, her ex-husband shot her in the back five times. She died in my arms. 
about a week later, Channel 3 News wanted to do something with that. They came into our home. They came to the church. And when they heard of our testimony of restoration, they didn't focus on the shooting. They focused on this church. And I had, I had a pastor tell me if I just spent $50,000, I could not have bought a better TV ad than what they did. That they, they, they filmed our worship. They filmed me preaching. They filmed some of the people participating in worship. And God turned, God turned all that around. In August 1998, the largest Christian magazine in the world came to our home interviewed us, uh, 11 color photographs. We were on the cover of Charisma. Uh, we've been on Daystar 20, 30 times. We've been on TBN. Marcus and Joni call our testimony the greatest story of restoration that they've, that they've heard, that they've, that they've been a, a part of. And, you know, I look back and I just, when I, when I think of some of the things that God has done through this house, most of you know we worked with, we had a ministry for unwed mothers, we talked bombs out of abortion, put them in a house, fed them, clothed them, supported them, prenatal, everything. Uh, we have run, most of you know that we've been involved in drug rehab for the guys. Uh, had some, uh, had, a, had a kid God brought into our life that was shooting bleach. Had another kid that God brought into our life that was huffing gas. Uh, we've, lost, we've lost three, three that we ministered to. Uh, two overdosed, and uh, one was shot by the uh, uh, South Georgia Highway Patrol. So we haven't, we haven't won all that God gave us to restore, but there have been so many that have been blessed by this house and raised up by this house. And uh, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to say this is just, this is just the way I feel. I feel like uh, in, the, in the past few weeks, uh, the Lord has been telling me the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And that, and you know what? Obviously, obviously it's not about numbers. It's not about, it's obviously not about that. It's obviously, as me said, it's about the flock, caring for the flock, teaching the flock, how to, how to minister, how to minister others, and how to be blessed. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about the next however long we're supposed to be here. We do want you to know that we have found a piece of land that is actually more exposed to traffic than this piece. Uh, we have a developer that has pre presented to us a set of plans with a high ceiling and uh, a beautiful sanctuary. And our, our I just want to say after 28 years, I, I feel like uh, I'm ready to go another, another 28 years. I don't know. I don't know. Um, how much of that 28 that, that I will see. But I, we are, the Davis family, we are committed to Church of the Harvest. We're committed to what God has done. And, you know, I, I wrote so many things down, so many testimonies, so many miracles, so many, so many things that God has transpired. I remember one year we actually showed up, we, we hired a television station and we showed the Easter movie. Do you remember that? When I think about Easter services, I have raised Jesus from the dead 27 times we've raised him every every single way you can raise him we've looked at the crucifixion from every single way that you can look at it our dinner theaters have been every year it gets better you figure out how how that happens we don't know queen for a day now is in different countries of the world and uh it just it just it just awesome to see what god does a part of the ministry that you're not aware of two or three times we've hosted the indian community i'm talking about people from india 
and now we have connected with them and such favor with them where they're using our facilities and so so many great things I, I didn't really have let me make sure I didn't have something um, let me let me conclude with this do we have like some little conclusion uh, music I do want the body to to be in prayer and if the Lord leads you so be it uh, Pat Robertson's ministry which Keith is very much a part of some of the drivers have made a commitment to pray at 7.30 in the morning, or 7.14, rather, Keith, 7.14. Uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall seek my face and turn from the wicked way, I will hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sins. And so there's a there's a, uh, a, a nucleus of guys. How many guys? Keith, is it eight guys? Eight, eight guys that are praying. And I told Keith I would let the church body know so if you're up early in the morning, if around 714, if you'll just take a moment and just begin to agree that God's will be done, that favor, blessing, salvation would take place. I want to I want to conclude with what I feel like this house is all about. There are different houses. Some are strong in missions, some are strong in ministry. So I feel like this this house has a strength. Uh, there was a missionary, and this was Several, several years ago, this missionary was ministering to thousands when Oral Roberts was ministering to hundreds. He was a, uh, he was a life changer. He was a, he was a phenomenal man of God, and he dedicated his life, uh, I believe somewhere in, in China, one of the, uh, the Chinese islands. And once a year, he would come back to the States and just kind of refresh himself.